Welcome. This is WNZN Radio from Lorain, Ohio. Very glad you tuned in this afternoon. We are 89.1 FM on the radio. So once again, thanks for tuning in. If you're having any trouble uh, hearing us, any static, you can just live stream us. Just simply go to www.wenzn.org. WNZN.org. My name is John Murtha. And my good friend and assistant, David Abood. Hey, John. Great to be here with you today. Another show, another beautiful yeah, day. Sure is. And uh, again, we're just so happy that uh, you tuned in. You know, it's really great. And you don't, you want to take these this radio station for granted. Uh, it's used all day long. It gets mm-hmm. the message out. It gets music out. And uh, we just thank God and, and the station, you know, Power Radio uh, 89.1 FM. Uh, for this opportunity to share. You know, in the past two months, David, we've had like, boy, I don't know, five, six different guests oh literally gosh. from around the world. Yes, we you have. Know, South Africa, right. Thailand, London. Gerard came in from yeah. London. Uh-huh. And so we hope to have some in the near future. I have a very interesting guest coming that's uh, one of the head of Campus Crusade uh, for Christ up on um, in Chicago, the University of Illinois, uh, be talking about that whole ministry, especially to foreign students. That's in the near future. But uh, last week we started this series, and we're going to see how this continues. But we, we want to look at different worldviews, David, like we've been doing. <clears throat> yes. And we should know, well, what do other people believe or what do other people think about life or God or salvation? And only because we can... We can enter into conversation right and my thing has always been when i look at another person's religion or belief or worldview i don't do it through the lens of criticism as much as as an analysis i'm just trying to figure out where they're coming from Mm -hmm. you know why they believe or why they think what they think and where's their source of authority how did this particular faith or religion start and that's what we did last week with jehovah witnesses yes and today we're going to look at the biblical response to mormonism Biblical response to Mormonism. Now, just by way of background, it is interesting that worldwide, Mormonism has about 15 million members. Mm. 15 million members. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very missional. That is to say, they're very much getting their message out there. Yeah. As a matter of fact, every young man, in particular, uh, between the ages of like 19 and 25, they look to do two years of service overseas, uh, mission service. Or, uh, they'll be over there. As a matter of fact, when I lived in northern Thailand, I used to see them. They all wore white shirts. Yeah. They have a name tag, and they all wear <laughs> bicycles. Yeah. But anyhow, so what is Mormonism, and how did it start? Uh, what's the background on it? And where I go back to on all of this stuff is like in chapter 17 of Acts of the Apostles, it's after the Apostle Paul preached. It said this in verse 11, Acts chapter 17. It says, those who lived in Berea um, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with readiness, but they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were true. Yeah. The point being that you use the word of God, the Bible, as your plumb line or your measuring stick, whatever somebody might yeah. uh, teach or believe right. or say, you know, this is the way uh, you know, of mm-hmm. salvation. And we do that with our own teaching, you know, if you hear a sermon at church or a teaching or anywhere, you want to run it through the, the grid, the filter of Scripture to see, is that true or is it off? And so we do the same when we look at these different belief systems, such as yeah. Jehovah Witness, Mormonism, Islam, uh, Buddhism, whatever it might be. And so we just look at how did it start, what are its major teachings or doctrines, 
and how does that mm-hmm. line up with the Bible? Yeah. So that's where we're going to start with this. So um, I, I'm going to get going on this, David, and then you can fill in. Oh, yeah, you sure. Jump in, feel yeah. free. Right. So this thing really starts uh, with one man, and, and that man is Joseph Smith. Yep. And uh, uh, he's born in the 1800s, and this is at a time that there's great... Um, a religious revival throughout New England. All, he's, he's actually born in Vermont. And um, there's a lot of uh, what they call revivals, great awakenings, yeah. tent revivals going all around the place. And this, this cap happened to come up there in that New England area. Oh, he was born in Vermont. His family will move to Palmyra, New York, and thus will start uh, this. Now, it's interesting about his parents. His, they originally belonged to churches like Presbyterian and a Methodist, but they were very much into what was called um, hunting for treasure, buried Indian treasure. They would use, you know, like uh, people used yeah. to try to discover water using these sticks, right. witching sticks. Uh, you know, and when they, they hold the two sticks in their hand and when they go over the ground and it starts bending down yeah. towards the ground, that means there's water down below. But they also use these different methods of putting these um, stones, like amber stones, in their eyes, and they said that they could look under the ground or they could spot buried treasure with this. It was really superstition. I mean, definitely mm-hmm. superstition. But he would go onto farmer's property, him and his father, and say, "We can hunt for buried treasure and you know find this stuff for you." It was actually taken to court of law, and was oh, yeah. because it was considered a, super, a scam, if you will. Yeah, yeah, so, that, yeah. That was in 1826. It was New York. Versus Joseph Smith revealed that Smith was found guilty of peepstone gazing, one of several illegal occult practices in the 1820s, I guess. So he did a lot of ritual magic stuff, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And you can actually see that court yeah. case where he was convicted. I, don't, I think it was fine. But the idea being, uh, his, mm-hmm. him and his father especially were given to this practice of uh, using what was called peepstones yeah. or... Um, these uh, amber stones that you would look through like goggles. Now this brings up an interesting point in the occult. I'll just segue just a little bit. Because often in the occult, uh, they'll use instruments. Like uh, in the Chinese, we'll use the uh, I Ching, the sticks they would throw down. Or some would use tarot Mm -hmm. cards. Or some use a Ouija board. They use some kind of instrument to divination or contact spirits or find out. Uh, what the lottery number is, you know, all of these kinds of things. But that was the what they were doing back then, and that's what he was... Now, that's an important thing to remember as he develops this religion. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm right in sync with you yeah. on that. So, I mean, uh, I, I think there was a lot of stuff here where I, I start to question which side of the fence he was on to start with mm-hmm. and possibly where this vision came from. You know, uh, did it really come from Jesus or did it come from some other demonic entity? Right. Right. So, so when you start to look at this, it immediately raises a red flag, I think, to most most people. Okay, so yeah. now we get into it. Now, he, he's going to have um, these revelations or these encounters, yeah. right? Yeah. So in, in let me read this here. It's in one day in 1920, while he was praying in the woods, Joseph Smith Jr., that's the founder of Mormonism, received a vision, he said, was where God the Father and Jesus appeared to him. Then again in 1823, an angel Moroni appears at his bedside, and he claimed to be the son of of Mormon, the departed leader of the American race known as Nephites. 
So he's getting these angelic, or he believes, Jesus and God the Father. Right. Which is starting to get really incredible yeah. right from the beginning because nobody has seen the Father. And, you know, he's the Spirit. You don't see him. And, of course, Jesus has long since ascended to, to heaven. And then he has this appearance of, a, of an angel. Now, um, we're going to look at this as things go on, but whenever you encounter an angel, uh, you, you, there's a word of caution here because the Bible clearly says, beware because Satan can come as an angel of light. Right. It'll say this uh, in the scripture uh, where Paul is concerned, even for believers, that they don't um, uh, adhere uh, to these kind of things, you know, uh, that are coming and uh, to really mislead people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, but he is... He's given to these things, and, he, and he's uh, uh, listening to what they say, and they're giving him revelation about these long-lost so-called tribes and stuff. Yeah. That no, the problem is they're not recorded historically or archaeologically yeah. when he talks about these different tribes as the Nephites or the Lamanites that supposedly were in North America. This is a problem right from the get-go because... When you look at the Bible, let's say in the New Testament where it says Jesus went to Tiberias and then he his home city where a ministry was Capernaum. Well, those there's remnants of those cities today. Or if he goes to Jerusalem, to Mount of Olives, well, you can go to the Mount of Olives today or the Pool of Siloam. But when these things that are mentioned here in this revelation Joseph Smith is getting, the archaeologists and historians have no proof of these things. Yeah. It's kind of he's pulling this stuff out of... Uh, full, you know, out of the air almost, so to speak, and so that 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 starts us on this kind of a downward spiral, if you will, in terms of how he's getting this revelation. Oh, yeah. And again, the whole thing on this is all we want to do is try to figure out where he's coming from and how did he develop this particular religion. So he's got these uh, revelations from this angel called Moroni, yeah. supposedly the son of Mormon. That's where we're going to get the name of the religion, Mormonism. Moroni told him about a book, now this is important, of golden yes. plates yeah. that contain the fullness of the everlasting gospel. Four years later, in the hill called Kumara, near Palmyra, New York, Smith unearthed or dug up these plates. Buried with them were a pair of large supernatural glasses or spectacles known as Urim and Thummim. They were to be used to translate the hieroglyphics on the plates, a language called Reform Egyptian. So it's 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 right in his wheelhouse yeah. with these these things he's putting in front of his eyes. So what he's going to do, David, is he gets these plates. Nope, they're long since gone. Nobody has these. If, if they did indeed exist, and he'll he'll get a hat, and he puts these plates inside there, and he looks in with this amber stone, this mm -hmm. clear stone, and he recites to his friends who are writing it down what he's reading. Uh, this is an occultic practice, okay? Oh, yeah. But this is how the Book of Mormon is going to develop. Maybe you Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the authenticity of the Book of the Mormon comes under challenge because I think at least 3,000 changes were made, John, between the original translation and the text that is used today. Uh, I, I think I, I think I have that right. Yes. Is, is that what your understanding is? Uh, exactly right. I mean, we're going to come to it, but once the book is completed, then they, they're going to have to change some things. We're going to see that as we go along. So he's getting this communication. Yeah. Um, then he begins what he calls this translation, where he gets some of his mm -hmm. friends who are nearby farmers, so to speak. Uh, he now has his wife, Emma, who's kind of involved in this process. 
So uh, he gets this all translated, supposedly from this this golden plates. Right. And then he publishes it, the Book of Mormon, which is in 1830. Yeah. On April 6th of that year, his brother Hiram uh, and Samuel officially formed the Church of Jesus Christ, known today as Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. The key here is the Book of Mormon. Now, whenever you study any religion or any worldview, mm-hmm. you always want to know what is their source of authority. Right. So if you challenge, like Christians, okay, what's your source of authority? Well, our source of authority is the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Muslim, what's your source of authority? They would say uh, the Quran, right. the, perhaps the Book of Hadith, the traditions. Yeah. Uh, Scientologists would say it's uh, the Book of Dianetics. So this is, this is where we're going to look at right. and try to figure out Okay, what is it saying? Is there any agreement with the Bible? Where does it go off center mm-hmm. from what the Bible teaches? And so that's the one book he gets is the Book of Mormon. Then he gets Doctrines and Covenants, which goes into more of the regulations in the law. Yeah. And then he gets the Pearl of Great Price. And then he's going to get this, what's the Book of Abraham, he calls it. You know, so, and then they'll include the Bible. But they look at the Mormon, the, the, the um, their Book of Mormon as the key book right that's the book yeah you, you know there's two things jan that i wrote down that were of interest in terms of the authenticity in 1828 martin harris began to assist with the writing of joseph's translation living in a harmony new york harris's skeptical wife i guess they stole the first uh-huh. 116 pages and challenged joseph to translate them over again right he refused uh, I guess knowing that you know um, that to retranslate would invite comparison between the two translations, and then Joseph claimed the language of the golden plates was reformed Egyptian, like you said. Martin Harris attempted to have Joseph's uh, claim verified by Charles Anthon, a linguistic at Columbia University in New York, and Anthon, however, vigorously denied lending any credence to the genuineness of the characters. Mm-hmm. So the whole base language uh, for this uh, doctrine, they could not verify at all. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. You know, so so right from the get-go, it's suggesting he is, um, maybe Joseph Smith is picking and choosing from other sources of authority. Yeah. Uh, A, the yeah. Bible, and B, uh, fictional novels about American Indians and these other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And later we're going to see, it seems like he incorporates Masonic uh, temple uh, rituals into the right. Mormon religion. We're going to get to that. So, yeah, But I think the main thing, is this really divine inspiration? Right. You know, I mean, you, what every it's ch- it changed 3,000 times since the time it was written, right? So anyway, I mean, th- that's the, the real theme here. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So we're going along now. It's the key. One of the keys here, David, is it starts with this angelic visitation. Right. Here's what it says in Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. He says, uh, he's written to the church at Corinth. He says, Paul says, for I'm jealous of you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, we're going to look at this in a minute, does Joseph Smith present another Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, then would you have received a different spirit? Yes, we're going to see that. And a different gospel. We are worried that you will put up with him. And then he goes on to say this. 
Um, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, trans transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. No wonder, for Satan himself translates himself into what? An angel of light. Yes. So this is a tip-off. Now, before Jesus ascends to heaven and he's given these, particularly the Olivet Discourse, he warns that after he leaves, many false prophets will come. So we got to look. Does this man, Joseph Smith, and his successor, Brigham Young, fall into the category of a true prophet of God or a false prophet of God? And again, I just want to analyze this and not be highly critical, but I do want us to like examine the evidence. Right. And so now we're off to the races in a sense. He's getting these uh, revelations into print, and he's got multiple books, as I just said, The Pearl of Great Price, The Book of Mormon. Uh, and then what happens is he has to leave New York. He starts in Palmore, and that's when he comes to Kirtland, Ohio. He'll, he'll come to Kirtland, Ohio, and it's in Kirtland, Ohio, that he's going to establish uh, the first temple. Right. Uh, now, mm -hmm. this is like super important because uh, they're all about temples. They're about priesthood. They're about prophets. They think that God is, yeah. they're the new revelation from God. Right. Uh, they're going to have a temple. They're going to have a Melchizedek priesthood. Their 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 president is a prophet. He's a, so when he speaks, he's speaking authoritatively, and so this is where these kind of problems are going to start entering into the situation. Yeah, th that was in uh, eighteen thirty, April 6, eighteen thirty, that he came to uh, Kirtland. Right. But he also established polygamy there. I think that's where it was instituted. He gets a revelation. Yeah. Um, it's there in Illinois, but we're not for certain, but he'll tell his wife, Emma, that God told him yeah. that he's now supposed to take another wife. And this introduces this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it goes beyond plural marriage. In the end, it's in their own literature, Mormon literature, but he's got from 20 to 30 wives. Uh, some are very young, uh, 14, 15-year-old girls. Some are actually still married, but he'll send the men to England on a missionary trip. And then he says... To the sense, he, he uses leverage, but he says, you, you, you have to marry me because it's God's will. If you don't, then you could be judged. Or even Joseph Smith says, I could be struck down if you don't obey this command. Well, uh, he, here's, here's where the red flags go up. Mm -hmm. It says clearly in Scripture, I can read here, but if you're going to be a leader in the Christian church, okay, you're going to be a leader, you have to... You have to be uh, uh, upstanding. In other right. words, you cannot um, have multiple wives. You cannot uh, practice polygamy because then you just uh, disqualify yourself from, from, you know, the best, what God has called us to. And I'm reading here in Timothy. Right. He'll say this. You might have it, but I'm, I'm just going to yeah, read I'm looking it out for it. here. He <laughs> says, okay, this is a faithful saying. This is second, First Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying, if any man desires the position of a bishop, that's overseer of churches, right? He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Mm -hmm. So right there, he's disqualified himself from a leadership position, a spirit, spiritual leadership position. Temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not quarrelsome. So, same thing with deacons, same chapter. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, nor greedy for money. Let them also be tested first. Likewise, their wives, wives must be reverent, not slanderers, 
temperate, faithful in all things. Uh, deacons be the husband of one wife. Right. You see, bishops, deacons, pastors, mm -hmm. that's a very strong requirement. So right out of the gate, we would say, okay, does Joseph Smith qualify or is he disqualified for a spiritual position in the church? Right away, we'd say he's disqualified. Because he has over 20 wives. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Brigham Young. And now a lot of people don't see this, uh, whether they're not, again, what you want to do is line up scripture, Bible, and put it up against any teaching, any doctrine. Mm -hmm. And right there, right away, what, we're, what are we seeing? Yeah. Uh, this is cause for disqualification. Yeah. You know, they were on several counts. Number one, the angelic visitation. Uh, does, does he uh, uphold to a different uh, Jesus? You know, does this angel give it? Yes, because what he's saying here is that Jesus essentially is the spirit brother of, uh, oh, you want to get into those? Yeah. Yeah, you can get into it, David, and uh, just go through that a little bit. Because sure. he's going to say that uh, uh, Jesus is very much different than the Jesus of the Bible. Even though they're going to put the name Jesus in their title. Uh, the Bible says Jesus is God incarnate, right? Yeah. Well, the Book of Mormon says quite the opposite. Mormons claim that Jesus was a created being and not God. They also claim that Lucifer is his brother. Yeah. And that we too are his brothers and sisters in a very little way. The offspring of God and his goddess. Mormons claim that Jesus was the first person to receive a spirit body and that he atoned for the sin on the cross uh, and in the Garden of Gethsemane. So you see this different Jesus than the one we see described in the scripture. This is the one that gets me too, Jen. Uh, this is a bit shocking, but according to Brigham Young, Jesus was not born of a virgin but conceived by physical sexual act between God, the Father, who was Adam in early Mormon mm -hmm. theology, and Elohim in later theology, and Mary. In addition, Jesus was a polygamist, celebrating his own marriages to Mary and Martha and the other Mary at Cana of Galilee, whereby he could see his seed uh, before he was crucified. You know, so again, this is Brigham Young and the Mormon. Brigham Young took over. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, wow. I, it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you, uh, right away you're seeing these, these red flags are, are popping up. For a look at the doctrine of God. Well, the Bible teaches God is perfectly holy and that he right. has always existed. He is a triune God, three mm -hmm. persons, one essence. The Book of Mormon teaches that God has flesh and bones and that he has a wife with whom they produce spirit offspring in heaven, and that will, they will inhabit human bodies on earth. Yeah. So you see, this is, he's getting this stuff. Where is he getting this stuff? I think you have to go back to the angelic visitation. Right. And, you know, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, you know, for us, uh, it's very clear that uh, God, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's John 1, 14. And we beheld his glory. Glory is one of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, and he's um, uncreated, eternal, sinless, and perfect God, the second person of the one and only Godhead. Right. So, and the Mormonisms deny his work by claiming that it's incomplete. Um, so, you know, he says all, they say all people will rise from the dead 
and Christ's work makes it possible for a person to obey God's laws and go into a celestial kingdom. That's a whole nother thing where they have three different heavens, right? right? right. We'll get into that a little later. Right. But, yeah. So, once again, as we're looking at, again, the title of this particular show is Biblical uh, Response to Mormonism. Right. How does it line up biblically? And we're seeing all of these different uh, doctrines, essential doctrines of the Mormon faith are in opposition oh, yeah. to just the plain uh, word of God. You know, yeah. just like we did on polygamy, where you cannot be a, a spiritual leader, you cannot be a leader in the Christian community, in the Christian church, if you have multiple wives, yeah. you know, and, let, and you're taking wives that are already married or divorced, that, that that's, <laughs> you just can't do that. I mean, you know, it's very obvious to anyone that's reading just a little bit of the scripture. Now, uh, it's the same thing, the Book of Mormon is filled with many tr contradictions. For example, God is a spirit is said in some places where God has a body is said in others. Uh, this can't be. I mean, the Bible clearly contains uh, no contradictions. There are a few places that appear to contradict, but when it's read in context, it lacks contradiction. It's clearly evident. So where do we go with this? Uh, I would encourage people to examine what is your source of authority? Yes. You know, do you, if you have the Bible in one hand and yeah. the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants in the other, then what outweighs the other in terms of truth? Yeah, and I think we mentioned it before. It's been changed. Uh, you know, I, I, I had another note three to 4,000 times mm -hmm. since its writing. When you take a look at the Bible, Mm -hmm. um, there's 39 to 40, and there was only one true author, right, mm -hmm. um, uh, with the Mormon book. Uh, 30 to 40 authors over a period of 15 years that has the same central message, astounding internal evidence and undeniable historical accuracy. You can't have both. You know, there's one truth uh, and the other is not. So, you know, that's really the way you need to look at it. So how can people analyze that then, John? I think, you know, as you said, you really got to you got to dive into both. Right. And do a comparison. Yeah. You know, you do look at the history well. of both. Yeah. Look at the accuracy of both. Look at the archaeology facts of both and, and really see what's the true word of God, the historic word of God and, and what has been uh, developed by a human. Yeah, that, that could be yeah, completely an error. Spirit, right, maybe. exactly. You know, a demonic it, realm. It yeah. could well be because, again, it's in total opposition. Um, so here's what happens. I just think by way of a, a historical background, we go back to that occult practices of, of Joseph yeah. Smith. He denied them. You know, later they would deny what was called a seer stone or glass right. looking. <clears throat> um, then later... Uh, when he has to leave New York, there's a lot of issues up there. And he's in eight, from 1831 to 1844, he establishes his outpost, his uh, community, in Kirtland, Ohio. He's in Kirtland, Ohio. They, you can actually go out there today and see some of the buildings from that period of time, 18, mm -hmm. uh, 1830. Um, now, wherever the Mormons moved, they, they usually was there was a lot of hostility because a major <clears throat> thing was polygamy. And so the other community were very suspicious and resentful when the Mormons came in like this. Yeah. And so um, they're there. And so now they're putting together these different uh, books, right? Mm -hmm. In 1835, second edition. By 1836, 1838, the Mormons had been driven completely from Missouri to Illinois, 
where Smith led the development of a thriving city known as Nauvoo. It was here that he came up with more revelations concerning the Godhead, origin and destiny of the human race, eternal progression, baptisms for the dead, plural marriage, sacred temple ordinances. <clears throat> Smith's revelation regarding polygamy was released on August 12, 1843, and included a threat that Smith's first wife, Emma, would be destroyed if she resisted the idea. So do you see how he's using yes. spiritual authority uh, to, to leverage this idea? Uh, he basically wants more, more women, you know, what she's going to do. Tension between Mormons and non-Mormons increased when the Nauvoo Expositor, that's the newspaper mm -hmm. in town, published stories exposing Mar Mormon practice of polygamy. As the mayor of Nauvoo and the lieutenant general, 4,000 men, Nauvoo Legion. So he's a general now. Yeah. I mean, he's got his own army. Smith felt uh, he had unlimited power. He ordered the destruction of the newspaper. And for non-Mormons in Illinois, this was the last straw. Smith wound up in jail in Carthage. A crowd of about 200 people attacked the building and a gunfight ensued. Uh, their founder died, they call as a Christian martyr. Uh, he died fighting in the process. Him and his, him and his brother were killed in this jail. Mm -hmm. and somebody had smuggled in a, a, a gun to him, and he was able to kill two people that were attacking through the jail door. Following Joseph Smith's death, Brigham Young won power struggle leadership and led a large congregation of Latter-day Saints west, where they settled in the Valley of the Great Salt Lake in 1847. And that's where Brigham Young is going to formalize this idea of polygamy. And he himself had 20 wives, and he fathered 57 children. Hmm. Now, that's why Utah is their place today. We'll get into that. But what, um, Joseph Smith's wife says, no, we are the heirs. We're the, the ones that carry on this work. <clears throat> and so her and the son of Joseph Smith break off, and they become reformed. A Latter-day Saints, you see, and they yeah. break off completely, and they said this one's wrong. <clears throat> but the the one that goes to Utah, of course, is going to be the one that's going to grow and become. They're quite prosperous today, right. quite honestly. Yeah. Um, so you know, John, um, I guess one of the other key things, and you know, I I don't know if you want to jump here or not, but I was thinking about how Mormons talk about salvation. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereby men become gods is based on good merit and good works. All right, so you know they have the three heavens. The top heaven is where uh, these these folks can actually become gods in and of themselves, which we know is not what the Bible says in Ephesians two eight nine. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, and then grace means that we get to heaven by God's gracious free gift, not because we earned it. So, um, and, and how do you define faith? Uh, faith is trusting in God and what he did and not in yourself or something you did. Right. So, and yeah, it's, th th that's a big, when you take a look at the comparisons and they say they're Christians, yes. that, that they believe in the Bible, they believe in Christ. But when you take a look at their belief system for, you know, the Godhead, they're ba they basically say that the three gods, that there's a bunch of gods. Yeah, right. You know, right. and that these three gods only rule earth. Okay, so then you have that, you have their, their understanding of Jesus Christ, who he is, and, and how you get your salvation. Those, those, are the, those are the benchmarks 
of our religion as Christians. Right. That you have to understand that Jesus was God in the flesh and that there is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there. But but there's only one God. I mean, there's right. not a bunch of gods throughout the universe. And so, they, what yeah. they believe, they have this statement, it, it right. goes like this, David. As man now is, God once was. Yes. As God now is, man may be. Mm-hmm. And like you say, they believe that man can grow spiritually and through the ordinances yeah. or the sacraments of the Mormon temp- temple. Right. See, they have secret services there where they anoint you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you have endowments. They have sacred underwear uh, with special Gosh. symbols yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, they believe that you can baptize for the dead. So that if you have the name, now, now that's a tricky one. So um, yeah, maybe you should explain that because, yeah, because when I was reviewing that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so so let's say you were looking for your right family background, yeah. family tree, heritage. Well, probably where it's listed in the archives of Salt Lake City because mm-hmm. they made this incredible search, going all over the place to find names and have your 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 family tree and lineage yeah. and all that. Because they believe you can go into that baptismal pool and by proxy you can be baptized for a dead relative who was not baptized as a Mormon. Mm-hmm. You understand this principle? It's, it's really strange. That's why it's secret. It's supposedly secret. But it's called the baptism of the dead. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we take a look at the three levels of heaven, I, I want to jump to that because... Uh, I assume, well, there's three levels. There's the celestial level, the terrestrial level, and then the telestial level. The celestial is like the top level where they can become gods, faithful Mormons who accept the gospel and keep the ordinances. There are three levels where only the highest level is Godhead or the possession of a kingdoms for oneself and one's family. The terrestrial, honorable men who are not Mormon, who live commendable lives even if they do not accept Mormon teachings and somewhat nominal Mormons. So this is everybody else in the world that's leaving a good and then uh, leaving a good uh, living a good life. And then telestial is where those people are that you just said, right? right? The people that didn't believe they rejected the Mormon values and teachings for those who received not the testimony of Jesus, who lived evil lives and reject the gospel according to Joseph Smith. Uh, that you know that that's where they stay. So for us, I mean, this goes you know for Christians, the eternal abode of all who are saved is to be with the Lord in heaven as an eternal reward. That's two Corinthians five one to two. Mm-hmm. There's only one heaven. There's only one heaven, to and there is a hell. The body, yeah, is to be present with it, the Lord. And, and there is a hell. Uh, Christians, we believe that there is eternal punishment for sin. Uh, you know, and that's all over. Matthew 5, 2, Jude 13, Revelations 14, 9, 11. Upon death, the souls of all people go into the spirit world uh, in an intermediate place. Here they remain until the resurrection from the dead. I mean, that's, you know, it, it gets really cloudy with them and what they believe yeah. about hell. The Bible too. is pretty clear. To right. be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. Um, Paul even says, I... I I'd rather leave my body and be present with the Lord than continue, you know. And again, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So there's not that uh, intermediate or, you know, these kinds of things are going on that they profess. They reject the idea of a place of eternal damnation because they don't want to limit one's ability to progress to be a Godhead. Yeah, right. That's the reason they reject it. Uh, But it's not what God says. 
And so, they put a big emphasis that you will, there'll be, so, they believe when you get married here, they have special uh, ceremonies that you're going to be married to that person in the afterlife and you're going to populate like a planet. You know, I mean, you're going to po populate spirit children. Now, back to their history, I'll interject a little bit here and yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Um, not all Mormons followed Brigham Young to Utah. A significant minority headed by Smith's wife, Emma, and son, Joseph III, remained in Missouri and Illinois and formed the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's now headquartered in Independence, Missouri. Uh, there's other splinter groups, but that, that's the one. The one that's popular splinter group is the polygamous ones that you see on these TV programs. Right. Many wives. <clears throat> so here's what happens. The Mormons officially practiced polygamy, many wives, until 1890. Due to increasing enforcement of federal law <coughs> against polygamy, which included fines and imprisonment, Wilford Woodruff, the fourth president, see the president, the successor of Brigham Young, is the president. But they believe the president is like a prophet. He can remember yeah. to talk about those changes they put in their doctrine. Mm -hmm. The fourth president, he changes polygamy as a practice. He, he says, the government pressure threatened the very existence of all Mormon temples. Polygamy had been the chief reason in Utah. So they had to rescind that and say no more polygamy. And then Utah then become a state. Do you understand how they changed that? Here's another one. For a long time, Mormons said the only one eligible for priesthood, it was whites only. Now that was a big problem for them because um, as... Um, the Mormons spread and they developed the um, Brigham Young University and all that. They were they were coming into uh, problems when they were in the end sub double A and all this that they're going. Yeah. What kind of doctrine is this? So they had another revelation and they changed that and they said the priesthood was not limited to whites only. Do you understand how they can abrogate what's called abrogate or change scripture? But we can't go into the New no. Testament and. No. change it. Or no. It's the word of God. It's, it's unchangeable. It's the word of God. Yeah. We're not God. We yeah. change. Right. It doesn't change. You know, <laughs> you know that, that, that's one of the biggest, you know, John, uh, w when you told me that and, you know, you said, Dave, regardless of what's going on in your life, mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on with your wife, your kids, uh, your business, there's one thing you can rely on. And that's the reliability of of the Word of God, which is the Bible. It doesn't change, it doesn't go and, and and it stays with you. It's almost like it's current. When you read it, yeah, the characters are from the old world, but the teachings are current. Yeah, right. And, and they apply even if we're going to be flying spaceships, you know, from one city to the next one day. Right. right? Those right. like the uh, DeLorean, uh, Back to the Future cars. You know, it's going to be the same. Yeah. Even if they were to read it in another 100 years, 200 years, it's going to have the same feel it does for us 2,000 years after it was written. You're exactly right, Dave. Um, it's a living yeah. word. And that's why I always say to people, think about growing up. Right. What was your most favorite book you ever read? One or two of the most favorite books. Well, how often could you read that book yeah. before you got tired of it? Right. Two times, yes. three times maybe? Yeah. But how, how? the more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. You never get tired of it, right? It just... Because it's a living word. And you'll never have it fully interpreted. 
because you know what I've noticed, and and uh, you know the the more I understand a little bit mm-hmm. more, as I start to go, the Holy Spirit reveals more connection points yeah, right, right. Uh, from chapter to chapter, old to new, that I never saw a year ago, uh, two years ago, and so I, I think as you get more versed and you get stronger in your convictions. And you start to clean. You know what it is, John? Um, it's kind of like uh, there's certain paths that the Holy Spirit will allow us to walk down as we get cleaner. It is our eyes become, you know, open more, and He allows us to get more interpretations as we clean up our life right. and start to be centered on Christ. At least that's what I found. Because before it, it looked like Swahili to me mm-hmm. or some other foreign language when I first got into it 10 years ago. Right. Now it's completely different. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because the Bible says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, the, the, the natural, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 2, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. Yeah. But to the, but to the spiritual man, that is to say the one that has the Holy Spirit, um, you can understand these things. Uh, let me read that verbatim. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, it says, uh, verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man, which is in him? In other words, we understand, humans can understand humans. Dogs, by their nature, can't understand what we're about, let alone ants <laughs> that are on the floor that surround us here. Or <clears throat> Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That we might know the things which have been freely given to us. These things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. This is important. Verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. I don't care how intelligent a man is. If he doesn't, if he's not a believer and indwelt with the Holy Spirit, he thinks this Bible is a joke. Yes. I just listened to a lecture on YouTube of a famous atheist, and he just discounts the Bible and he thinks, oh, this could never be and never happen. But he doesn't have the Spirit of God. He doesn't have insight. You see, it, the Bible says it's foolishness to those that are perishing, for they are foolishness to him. It even says it there. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things for yet he himself is rightly judged by no one for who knows the mind of the lord that he might instruct him but we have the mind of christ we have the holy spirit you yes. see and that's why before you're a christian before i was a believer at age 27 mm-hmm. i couldn't i mean the bible just didn't interest me you know i, I think it was helpful that they had proverbs and you yeah. know kind of moral lessons in there but I was much more intrigued by Eastern religions and different things, philosophies like that. Yeah. But once I became a believer and once I <laughs> accepted Jesus Christ, then it opened up. It's like, whoa. Yes. Yeah, and that's why Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word uttered by the mouth of God. And that, that goes way back now to this whole thing. We're comparing the Book of Mormon with the Bible. Yeah. And we're saying to ourselves, why do we need another book? See, this is a thing you're going to find out with all cults, David. They have an additional book. Yeah. So, you know, you have the, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but they'll say that's not enough. Mm-hmm. We need the Quran. That's not enough. We need the Book of Mormon. That's not enough. Yeah. We need da-da-da-da. Uh, and I'll, no, the, book, the, <laughs> the Bible's a closed book. That's why Revelation, we did a study on that. It ends like Genesis and Revelation are like bookends. 
They're, they're, right. they're, you see the arc of the God's redemptive plan. It begins here and ends here, and it's just complete. It's like it's like a you know it's a perfect circle how it ends. We don't need more revelation or quote unquote another prophet to come along and tell us, oh, well that was okay, but you need this higher revelation now. Do you understand? Yeah. And that's what's happening today, and we should. Uh, we should be very careful of these things because this stuff is coming down the pike and we're even warned about it you know where, it, where it's told in the scripture um i'm just reading here in colossians just to, to to show it says beware i mean colossians chapter 2 beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men according to the basic principles of the world not according to christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality. In other words, we don't need yes. another revelation. We don't need, uh, wow, there's another uh, uh, teacher out there. There's a guru. There's a, <laughs> you know, somebody with a, another book. No. What we have to do as Christians is learn this book, learn the Bible. And once you learn that, again, you can use that as a plumb line, like a good carpenter. He measures the foundations of a house or a building yeah. by just putting a plumb line there and seeing is that foundation line and straight is it true is they even call it is it true up and squared what that uh, pillar uh, does it measure up to the, the plumb line and uh, that's that's all we're doing when we look at these different belief systems again I don't want to be critical but it's hard not to what's the word it's hard not to say well why were our people <clears throat> believing this like okay Joseph Smith, people are basing their whole faith and their children's faith and faith and you know afterlife on this one's man's revelation. It's very similar to Islam, where where Joseph Smith goes out in the woods and he has this encounter with an angel. He'll say that gives him this revelation, and Muhammad will go out into a cave in Saudi Arabia, in uh, Mecca, and he yeah. gets a revelation from an angel, and then you know all this kind of new book is 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 coded together and, and stitched together so to speak while they use the bible but then when their book is completed they'll, they'll say ours is the bible is corrupted and they're very consistent in the sense they will they were very big on polygamy yes many wives uh, they have a different jesus a different mode of salvation a different much a very different afterlife all of these things are rather consistent yeah. once you start studying it and so it just it just keeps moving along like that as we study these different uh, belief yeah, systems. Yeah, and you know, John, I mean, it's kind of you know to answer your one point about we're not trying to criticize uh, any other doctrine, but it's also our job to try and help these people see the truth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said before he ascended, "Go out and make disciples of all nations." in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Right. And so our job is if they are misinterpreting the Bible, which in a lot of ways, there's so much proof that that's actually what's going on here. Um, you know, it's our job to, uh, to understand their doctrines so that we can talk to them in a friendly manner right. to help them right. take a look at our belief systems, and then we let the Holy Spirit try and convert them. Exactly. Because that's the way you taught me to do it. You want to walk with them as a friend, 
you, you want to be there. You want to understand why they believe what they believe. You know, John, John Lennox said it, I think, really well. I was watching this interview with him, and he's a really well-known British uh, professor, right? right? Yeah, he's he's inc- really wonderful to listen to if you haven't he's talked to him. Irish seen him. Accent, he right? does. I really yeah. like him. Yeah. But, you know, when somebody asked him, you know, how do you profess Jesus to other people? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, it, you know what? The first thing I'll tell you is every interaction is different mm-hmm. because it depends on the person. Right. And so I, I think in this case, what's been great for me in doing the shows with you is it's giving me the ability to understand other religions, why they believe what they believe. And when you encounter these people, it's just a lot easier to talk to them right. and ask them to think through a comparison of Christ. Right. Your version versus theirs. Right. 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 Exactly. Our heaven versus theirs. Right. Our reason and the way we get to salvation versus theirs. Exactly right. But then the history and proof system, like Jay Warren Wallace would tell you, hey, look, 2,000 years ago, this was written by close to 39 to 40 authors, and it's seamless like they all sat down together. Right. Right. Th- that's God inspired. Now, now, the other group, it has, you know, you know Joseph Smith with this vision, and then Brigham Young added some stuff, right? So it uh, there's not a lot of history there. Yeah, you make up a good point here, yeah. David, because a couple little things. Number one, like getting alongside someone, building a friendship, a genuine friendship. Because yeah. again, we do not want to win an argument. No, we want to yeah. win a soul, mm-hmm. and we don't want to uh, be uh, too angry or you know going back and forth, so to speak. But we're, we are. We should ask more questions than give answers. So, for example, okay, why why do you think we need? A, a, you know, we have the Bible. Why would mm-hmm. you think we would need another book? You could ask something like that. Yeah. And what is it that makes you think Joseph Smith is a prophet? Now, the one reply I've asked, and it's actually in their teaching. Yeah. They'll say, you know, this is true. If you take and read the parts of the Book of Mormon, and then you pray to God. It says in James chapter 1 that you'll get a a burning in your bosom. They they say that's your witness. That means it's true. Well, experience is not a proof of truth. You validate truth with truth. All experience means you had an experience. Buddhists have experience, like a type of enlightenment, and Hindus would have an experience. Some of the hallucinogens may have a, a spiritual experience. My point being that, is it true? Does it line up? And Jesus warned us. Let me read what it says here in um, John chapter, uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse fifteen. He says, "Beware of false prophets, who comes to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits." Now that's an yeah. important point. Now, if you just looked at a man's life and you said, "Okay, here's a man. He has to leave one place because of fraud. Mm-hmm. He leaves." Ohio because of they were counterfeiting money he'd have to get out of Kirtland you know in the process he tells his wife he has to take other women as his wife some as young as 14 or is that good fruit or bad fruit I am it's bad it's not good fruit I don't care take take it out of religion just a normal guy Mm -hmm. that does that that's not good fruit now if you have a man who's upstanding and he raises his children and he's faithful to his wife and he's kind and he's generous. All the requirements it says for an elder or a pastor in the New Testament, you would say it appears that this man's life is bearing good fruit 
They say, do you want to get that? So Jesus gives us, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing, yeah. but especially beware of wolves in shepherd's clothing. Because shepherds mislead a lot more than just individual sheep. And when you get a leader of any faith, religion, movement, cult, yeah. they mislead a lot of people. And that's a bad thing. And you think of an extreme like Jim Jones, he literally took almost a thousand people to Guyana yeah. and, and they made them commit suicide. Yeah. Wow. David I Koresh, he, he led all these poor people, women and children, and they were consumed in a fire in Waco, Texas. Mm -hmm. But do you see what I'm saying? But people should, especially if people are reading the Bible, their antennae should go up. Like, this, something ain't right here. Something, this, this doesn't square up. It's just like you're driving your car and you see the engine light come on, you know, <laughs> you know, or a buzzer comes on. You don't turn the radio up louder so you don't hear the buzz. It's just telling you, danger, danger, you better check this out, get this fixed. Otherwise, you keep going down that road to, to bad damage. One of the biggest things I've seen that has helped you um, with uh, help leading people to the Lord, John, and this is one of the attraction points for me, was how you really demonstrated God's love and grace in Jesus Christ. You were not confrontational with me. Uh, you were not argumentative with me ever. Uh, you just basically told your life story, how you're centered on Christ and what the word means to you. And then I just started realizing, man, I want to be more like John Murtha. And so that even in and of itself, I think, is a driving force where the Holy Spirit can then start to get into this individual, uh, individuals mm -hmm. uh, in a way that is a productive way. Mm -hmm. And and I still think that that's one of the best ways to do it. You're but right, you, but you do need you do need you do need to know their religion. Yeah. Or you can't talk to you, them. You want conversation right. points. Which and it's not hard. I mean, really, there's really five major belief systems or worldviews in the world today. Let's <laughs> yeah. look at them real quickly. Yeah. Number one, Christianity. You got about two point five billion. There's mm -hmm. about seven point five billion people mm -hmm. on the planet today. So you got two point five billion Christians. Now that breaks up, subdivides mm -hmm. into Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant. Okay. But somehow these people name the name of Jesus Christ. You got about 1.6 billion Muslims, and they subdivide mm -hmm. into Shiite and Sunni, but you got 1.6 billion. Then you have almost a billion, think yeah. of India, that are predominantly Hindu. Next, that's, that's, that's uh, three. Fourth <coughs> one is Buddhism, yeah. uh, which is about 500 million. And then the fifth one would be atheist, agnostic, which would be, you know, in communist right. lands, et cetera, et cetera. So that is your five major belief systems. So if you understand, it doesn't take long to get like we just did here. You get kind of an overview. You right. don't have to know it in high no, detail. No. But now you can ask, well, why is the, um, the, the Mormon tabernacle so important in Utah? Oh, that's where we do these special ceremonies or that. Can we go to them? Oh, no, they're... They're meant just for Mormon. Okay, good. You're starting to learn. Tell me a little about Joseph Smith. Well, he was born and then okay. Then when did he get mm -hmm. the revelation? Was it the end? Mm -hmm. So you're asking more questions than giving answers. Yes, that's the way to leave. Yeah, you're right. Why do you think we need another book or another revelation? Don't you think this is sufficient? So uh, to your point, David. Again, we care for people. Mm -hmm. You know, well, what is it? What is it? Good does it do with us if we're if we're one up on somebody, or if we go one, and we won that argument, see, always beware when you're having yes. a discussion. Are you generating more generating more heat or light? Right. 
oftentimes our discussions can go generate more heat. Argumentative, right. you know, we go back and forth. That's why it says in Peter, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asketh a reason for the hope that lieth within you, but do it with meekness and respect yes. for the other person. Yep. You know, so that's, I think that's really wise counsel there to say, it starts with sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, be right before God, be prayerful for this person, and then be ready. You, you can't wait till we get into these discussions to be ready. You gotta be like a Boy Scout. You have to be prepared beforehand. Hopefully some of our shows are doing that. We're showing, you know, just some of these basic truths. So you're, you're, you're ready to give a reason. Christianity <clears throat> is a reasonable faith. It's reasonable. You know, somebody might not believe it, mm -hmm. but it, it, it talks about the fact there is a God. He is a very orderly creator. We see that design in creation. He's revealed himself through the Old and the New Testament. And at one point, he comes and literally visits the planet yes. in the person of Jesus Christ. Perfect life, miracles, word. Death on the cross, burial, third day, raises from the dead. Yeah. There you go. You know, it's, it, it has a certain flow, a certain consistency. Mm -hmm. Somebody might not buy it. They might say, I don't see it. That's fine. But it offers an explanation for the four biggest questions in life. Origin, how did this all begin? Mm -hmm. Meaning, does life have purpose? Yeah, it has really significant purpose. Morality, it's high morality. Not only... Don't you, you accept an insult from another person, but you actually pray for that person. Yeah. Jesus says, if you if the, the Bible, the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. I say unto you, if you look upon a woman in your heart, mm -hmm. then, so he takes it to a higher level yes. of morality. And then finally, destiny. What happens when I die? Those are your four primary questions of life that people all through time and all through the world have asked in one shape. Well, who, who answers that the best? I would suggest the Bible answers origin, mm -hmm. meaning, morality, and destiny. Yeah, amen to that. So we're very happy you tuned in today, David. Uh, thanks for being part of this. Oh, discussion. absolutely. You know, on all of these, we could do another show. And another I know. Show. You go. Yeah. I just want to do overviews. Yeah. And so, um, as I said, we're going to be looking at a guest coming on the show in the next, actually, a couple guests as we go into the summer, and uh, a couple other things are planned. But we do thank you for tuning in. Once again, this is 89.1 FM radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Uh, great, to, great, uh, great that you tuned in and listened. And again, all these shows are archived. If you want to get a hold of them, uh, you can go simply to john1421.com. john1421.com. And there you'll find a, a listing of the different shows we've done over, whoa, how many years, David? I don't even know now. I think there's 50, 60 shows. Uh, there's 146, I think, Mike Mike said, son, yeah. over over four years of shows. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So. so thanks again, David. God bless you all. For, yeah, have uh, a great weekend, in. everybody. God bless. Take care.